Welcome to the Multidimensional Evolution Podcast. I am Kim McCall. The premise underpinning discussions on this podcast is that life extends beyond the physical dimension, that death is not the end of life, that we're all connected energetically with each other, both in the physical dimension and across dimensions, and that there is a purpose to our life that involves growth, healing and assistance to each other. I aim to have conversations to expand your consciousness, help you reconnect with your essential self, and live life as an integrated, multidimensional human being. But given the subject matter, a request. Don't believe in anything, including what is shared here. Experiment, have your own experiences, and always use discernment. The musical introduction to this episode is by Finnish fusion artist Axel Teslev, and this song is called Reincarnation. My guest today is Manori Sumana Singe, who spoke with me from her Numa Mind Spa in Chinatown, Los Angeles. Manori is a Sri Lankan-American designer and entrepreneur with a background in architecture and business. She is co-chair of the Southern California Institute of Architecture Alumni Council and has served as an assistant director of the International Academy of Consciousness, where we originally met when we were both volunteers with that organization. Her husband is Nelson Abreu, who spoke with me for episode 9 of this podcast, also about the Numa Mind Spa. While Nelson brings the technical expertise, Monori is the creative mind behind this project. They combine their expertise in design and technology with nearly three decades of experience in mindfulness and heightened states and a passion for community building. They have created technologies that are inspired by energy mindfulness, meditation, sound healing, lucid sleep states such as the out-of-body experience, lucid dreams, and other ancient heightened state techniques. These technologies empower creatives, professionals, change-makers, entrepreneurs, and first responders by facilitating creative, healing, and transformative altered states. In this interview, Manori provides some insight into the remarkable journey that brought her from rural and war-torn Sri Lanka to the US and to the kind of creative and assistential projects that she is realizing now. It is an inspiring story of resilience, self-care, passion and commitment. Manori, welcome. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Kim, for having me here today. And um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you because, uh, you know, we're touching back onto uh, topics that were previously discussed on this podcast in episode nine with Nelson Obreo. And so uh, you're a really, really important part of the technological innovations that he introduced us to there. Um, but before we get to that, I would like to just um, get some of your backstory, you know, find out a bit more about um, how you right now, you're talking to me from LA and you're originally from Sri yes. Lanka. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear how you went from Sri Lanka, how that your life trajectory went and in that um, also how your interests in consciousness were awoken. Sure. Um, thank you. So uh, I was born in Sri Lanka and um, I was born at a time when Sri Lanka had 
the war going on uh, with the LTTE. Uh, um, it was a terrorist organization that uh, was trying to uh, split the country into two. Um, and the, the war started in 1980. I was born in 81. And the war ended in 2009. I left Sri Lanka in 2007. So I never really experienced Sri Lanka in a peacetime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, you know, um, somewhere when I was probably seven or eight years old, but my town got bombed. And uh, we uh, couldn't go to school. And there was also some civil unrest going on at that time as well. And there were, you know, we were trying to like make it into school and there were death around us. Like I saw dead bodies on the street. So, so, so just really um, for people who, who, you know, because like I knew about the, or I know about the, the, the war in Sri Lanka, but I don't really have a good image. It often sounded like there were sort of sporadic, like terrorist attacks and so on, but it sounds like there was really kind of battles being fought. Yeah. Bombing raids, all yes. that. And you were in yes. that. Yeah. So the, the war in Sri Lanka was really uh, most of the time sequestered to the northern and the eastern part of the country. And I was born in this small town in the middle of the country in the hills. So for the most part, we were shielded from everything. A lot of the things uh, like the active war was going on in the northern and the eastern part of the country. And for people who don't know, Sri Lanka is a small island, you know, in the middle of the Indian Ocean um, and and um, with like population of about 20 million people. So it's pretty dense, but it's a it's pretty, you know, a, a, a mid-sized island. Um, and the uh, conflict was going on between the uh, Tamil minority group and the uh, government and I should add here, like, the war was completely, you know, politically driven. I don't think people were divided. Uh, You know, the the Tamil minority and the Sinhalese majority got along really well before all of this happened. And I think this division happened after the... British colonization because, you know, the whole divide and conquer thing, did they didn't really do it in a way that they considered all the minorities and the majority that was in the country. They sort of like handed it over to one group of people, therefore alienating the other minorities that were already living in the country. And Sri Lankan uh, culture, because of the proximity to India, had a lot of influence from uh, the uh, Indian culture and their religion, and you know their their food and everything. Mm. So I believe in the big uh, sort of Bhagavad, in the Bhagavad Gita. I think isn't there Hanuman jumps to to Sri Lanka from India? There's the mythical connections and religious yes. Connections, so yeah. the, the the two cultures are like really close knit. We have had you know Buddhism came from India to Sri Lanka. It was like a sort of a. a um, a gift from King Asoka's time, you know. So strong ties. I mean, we've been at war with them three times, but for the most part, like even to this day, inside Buddhist temples, you still find Hindu 
temples in there, so like Hindu deities in there, uh, deities in there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like such a a um, they coexisted, but somewhere along the way, post colonialism, there was not a system that's put in place that these two cultures could coexist before colonialism. So there were tensions that were building up and, you know, politicians were watching out for their interest and then the war erupted. So it ran for, you know, 30, 30 something, I mean, close to 30 years, I think. Um, And uh, yeah, so for the most part, it was Northeastern side active war and there were like bombing and, you know, uh, uh, like active fighting going on. And they would every once in a few years, maybe attack the uh, capital to make a statement, you know. They have actually caused a lot of damage in terms of they've assassinated a bunch of politicians, like very important, you know, uh, public figures in the country, actors, and uh, they've attacked uh, uh, the the presidents. They even, you know, killed Rajiv Gandhi, the Indian prime minister. So it, it, it it's a very like um, intense situation that was going on there in the 1980s and 1990s. Yeah, yeah, that would be a, really, <coughs> a really intense environment in which to grow up. Yeah, so as a kid, seeing all of that, um, and then I was also sexually abused as a child. So, um, and, you know, my parents didn't know about it. I had no one to sort of seek help with that. This, I think, made me really sort of depressed, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, I started asking sort of deep existential questions at a very early age, not out of just curiosity, but also I think I was looking for a reason to sort of exist, you to, know. To like live, I wanted, yeah. yeah, I like if life didn't make any sense there was no point going on you know and i don't think like there was no articulation as such as i'm doing now but at a very fundamental level there was that like i have those memories of not being a happy child you know and understanding like something's not right Mm. i need some answers so um i think two things that helped me was that i picked up art like I picked up drawing and painting and then my mom was going for meditation classes so around 11 years old I started following her to study meditation and that helped me a lot because I got I was very fortunate I was able to um, learn from some of the most uh, well-known meditation teachers in Sri Lanka at that time And, um, you know, by the time I was like mid-teens, I was able to have a pretty good practice um, and like regular practice, you know. Just Um, a lot of breathing meditations and... um, uh, Yeah, like Vipassana and uh, breathing meditations and compassion and healing meditations. Um, 
you know, that things ranging from observing to like pondering existence, you know, like, um, in the Buddhist, uh, in the Buddhist framework or yeah, Theravada Buddhist framework. Yeah. So Sri Lanka has Theravada Buddhist, uh, uh, philosophy that's predominant, you know? So, um, and then I think around 16, I also started studying the philosophy because I felt like you can't, like meditation alone itself won't provide me the answers I was seeking. Um, and then I also should add, like, without, even before I got into meditation, I've had a lot of out-of-body experiences and other experiences as a kid since I was a tiny little kid, like five, six years old. Right. Uh, I have very, very vivid um uh memories of you know playing with my brother when the um when my parents house was being built like we were playing on the roof and we'd jump out of the roof and then we'd wake up like we were sharing one bedroom because the house was being built and then we'd both wake up we were like wait we were were we just like playing up there you know so, right, so um, shared the shared experiences with your brother yeah, and it was really cool. We were really yeah. close, and um, it, there, there were, you know, so many incidences like that. And then um, one of the things that I did, like when I started understanding about the war and what had happened to me when I was small with the with the sexual abuse, was that I sort of tuned inside my head, and I think. Um, it, it became an instrument in creativity that I would imagine every night if I'm having trouble falling asleep and as a way to sort of escape all this stuff that was going on around. Because even like then I didn't realize this was all trauma, like it's a trauma response. Yeah. But, you know, I was just trying to escape all of that. So one of the things that I did, and I only recall this, like, a few years back after, you know, many, many years of actually studying about this, like maybe like four or five years ago, I remembered, wait, I think I invented a technique those days, you know? Um, so I used to imagine myself um, walking through this beautiful forest, like lush green and like flowers and butterflies and birds singing. And you can like see the sun coming through the canopy and I would be walking through that and then I would arrive at this sort of a small lake or like a pond and I would dive into that and like swim and take off from there into the sky and right. fly. So that was like my little imaginary thing. And I would, yeah. you know, fly around at night a lot. <laughs> so, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it as a Yeah, you just like, spontaneously created your own... OBE visualization technique. Correct. And yeah. it was um, <laughs> it's just entertaining and I didn't have to deal with the burdens because I was in my imaginary world with my imaginary friends. You know, I probably was like not even 10 years old when I was doing this. Mm. Um, yeah, so all of these got me into, you know, curious, being curious about trying to understand life. I was trying to understand the, my my existence and what's my place in this universe and 
and the relationship that I would have with things around me. So, and yeah, so, and, and like, you know, finding why am I here going through these things that I'm going through, you know? Um, and then I continued to study the philosophy and continue to meditate until my like late teens. And um, when I was 16, I had the opportunity to represent Sri Lanka in this youth sort of a, a summit where they brought together kids from all around the world who, like 2,000 kids from all around the world right. who were skilled in something. And I was one of the kids, one of the 70 kids who went into the art program. So um, I, I, when I came to that, to the US, I for the first time I saw like, oh, I can actually do whatever I want to do with my life, you know. Because, open that door, open that sense of possibility. Yeah, because you know, like growing up in a small town of like less than, I don't know, at the time we were growing up, there were probably 10,000, 20,000 people maybe. Um, um, uh, and you know, like everyone knew everyone whenever we go into yeah. the city, like yeah. before I get home, my parents would have heard who I was with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it was, um, and, and then in a very conservative environment also, because like usually, especially the town that I'm from girls are, they, they, they're told what to do. And they do what they were told to do, mm. you know. So, uh, again, a very paradoxical place because they educate the girls like crazy. Like my graduating class in high school has a crazy number of PhDs. But then also some of them have their PhDs and become like housewives, you know. <laughs> so right. it's, yeah. it's, it's like, um, uh, it, it's, it's such a... Uh, on one hand, like very progressive, but then also very conservative. So uh, I have been told things that I dream of doing with my life are not feasible. You know, it's not possible. Like, And, and I grew up in a family with very, very modest means. So mm. I was, my brother and I, we were the first ones to speak English. You know, to this day, my parents don't speak a lot of English. And I was the first one to have traveled abroad, you know, from the entire family and generations. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, really... it was like, a, you know, they couldn't understand what I wanted. And I, I couldn't explain as a teenager, like, hey, I want to do these things. You just had this drive inside you, right, to, to break new, new ground. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, I can't say I knew clearly what I wanted, but I knew for me to have gone through all of these things, for me to live a mediocre life would not, I would not be happy. Like I, the only way I could justify what, had, what I had experienced early in my life was that I was going to make my mark and do something significant, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I think to this day, when, to a certain degree, that's like one of the reasons why I'm so driven and passionate about what I do, because I feel like life needs to be worth it. 
Otherwise, mm. what's the point, you know? Um, so you came yeah. to the US as a teenager and then I guess you went back to Sri Lanka first? When yeah. Did you, so, when I, did, so you left, uh, when did you leave and where did you go? Straight to the US or were you somewhere else? So I, I came to the US only for three weeks at that time when I was 16. Yeah. So I got a glimpse of, oh, I could actually do what I want to do. So went back home. I told my parents, this is what I want to do. And I think I want to be an architect, considering that I am pretty decently okay with my creative abilities. And I'm also fairly okay with my, you know, like analytical abilities and technical abilities. And I want to do something meaningful. I've always been drawn to environment, like the, the, the built environment that we live in. I, um, my family was also dysfunctional to a certain degree. And I thought if the environment, and this is me naively thinking that if I designed the environment better, you know, people will be happier. People will right? be happier. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's certain truth to it still that I really believe, but you know, that itself won't solve all the problems, but in my head, you know. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I feel there's definitely, it's a piece, right? There are so many pieces. I don't think there's any one thing that will solve all the problems. Exactly. But there are all these pieces um, that if they come together could create a whole different experience of life and the built absolutely. environment is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was, but like then I had absolute conviction that this yeah. is what's going to fix, you know? these problems so yeah. people will be happier they'll get along we should design houses better we should design cities around people and their needs and those foundations still hold true but my understanding of those things have vastly evolved uh but i was 16 and my parents didn't have any money to send me abroad you know so in their mind how they could give that to me is get me married off to a man who has the means. Um, but at 19, after I finished high school, um, I didn't want to go to a university in Sri Lanka because I felt like that would be a waste of time. I wouldn't be learning what I wanted to learn and doing what I wanted to do. So I'm going to do something that will get me to where I want to get. So I started working in um, the clothing industry, the, the manufacturing industry, and I landed uh, a great gig uh, at, at being a liaison between Nike and the factories, like the, the manufacturing plants. Um, and because of my communication skills, I kind of landed that because I spoke English and, you know, yeah. um, uh, and I was lucky, like, not just, I was just a, you know, I only had the high school education, mm. but um, I was really organized and um, I wanted to always talk to people and understand what the question is. So, and I was very, and I still am very like pragmatic solution oriented. So if I see like a problem, I want to come up with a solution for that. Um so I did that, and then there was there was a, a sort of a arranged marriage situation going at twenty. Uh, 
and it didn't work out. Like I was not happy, you know, I was miserable actually. So um, in 2003, the same program that I'm, that I came to in uh, when I was 16, I wrote to them and they told me I can come to be one of the volunteer mentors for three weeks. I was like, great, I can go and take a look at everything and look at maybe I can go to school finally, you know, to study architecture in the U.S. So I came and then uh, I came to the U.S. I was in Rhode Island. Um, That's how I met my friends who introduced me to the IAC, the International Academy of Consciousness. Uh, where I came across these ideas about, you know, out-of-body experiences and other consciousness phenomena. And I, like, immediately took to it because of my interest that I had in the Buddhist philosophy and trying Mm. to understand the world and the universe and all of that. Um, So I was here in, in New York. Well, actually, not in New York. I was in Rhode Island for a few months and then went back to Sri Lanka. I had decided okay we are going to I'm going to like take control of my life like so far I've been living as per what somebody else like either my parents or my husband wanted me to be I'm going to take charge of my life so um, I kind of you know told my husband I'm done I'm like moving up. <laughs> I found a job. Was, was that a big I, deal in, in, I mean, that can be a big deal anyway. I just imagine in the conservative context that you described for yeah. Sri Lanka, that would have been a really big deal. I don't know if this is the same now, but when I got divorced, Sri Lanka had the third lowest divorce rate in the country, in the world. So, and people weren't staying in marriages because they were happy. They were not getting divorced because it was looked down upon, you know. And it's always like, especially when it's a woman, like a man walks somewhat unscathed, but a woman, you know, like the reputation, there's a lot of complications that came from that. So when I decided to separate my family kind of disowned me a lot of like almost all my relatives stopped talking to me except for maybe one or two aunts um uh my brother didn't talk to me for a while you know my Mm. my dad and my mom were really ashamed of me and but I was like look if you guys are more concerned about what other people think than whether I'm happy or not then clearly like it's okay for me to be selfish and think about my happiness, you know, because if I don't, who else will? Because clearly nobody else was going to be bothered or concerned. And that was sort of a pivotal point because that was when I took full responsibility. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. You yeah, know? it's a really big step, stepping out yeah. of that communal system and really owning your own life. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. I was just, what, 20 three 22 actually so very young you know yeah um but um so i worked for like three years and saved up enough to pay for college for one year in the u.s my friends in new york helped me um to get into a college there and they helped me with room and board so i just packed up and left sri lanka in january of 2007 
and um, and I was in New York, and then I connected back to the consciousness organization IAC, and started volunteering that 2007, and you know went to finally was going to architecture school. So yeah. like that's how I ended up in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing story and really self-driven. You know, that's what I get from it is I had this, this self-drive that you obviously brought with you. Um, and just for people listening, um, so the organization IAC, International Academy of Consciousness, works with that paradigm of conscienciology that's been coming up a few times in this podcast. Yeah. And, and that's how we met also, actually, Kim. Yeah, and that's right. Us, uh, yeah. And then, um, so I was in New York and then, you know, studying and working and volunteering. And um, I met Nelson and um, we decided there was sort of like a recognition. I can't exactly describe it all that well, other than just saying recognition, because when I saw him after we had started talking, for the first time, I knew in my heart that he was the guy that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But it was crazy because we didn't know each other all that well, you yeah. know. Um, but we are not, we are both, what I really appreciate about the relationship that we have is that we are both very direct. We don't like drama. So there were no games, no guessing games involved. Yeah. Um, he like outright told me what he wants. So I was like, I like that, <laughs> you know, a, a guy who knows what he wants and he tells his athletes. And um, we kind of talked about a few things about like some fundamental principles that we weren't willing to compromise because of a partner, you know. Uh, now looking back at us, we were like probably really idealistic at that age, you know, like mid to late 20s. And you're like, I will not compromise for the other person. Now looking back at it, I think it was important to have that conversation because it kind of established what are the basic expectations yeah. and where we are going towards in life. That sounds like a really mature way to start a relationship, right? Um, yeah and you know like because I had gotten divorced before I wasn't going to like play around yeah, I wanted yeah. something meaningful or nothing you know and, and so so in that context um like I've said before we started right so if we might want to just touch on this idea of the evolutionary duo right which is a which is a concept out of conscienciology um correct and, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see how you, you know, your thoughts on that idea and how you see your relationship with Nelson um, in, that, in that concept. Yeah, well, it's a very interesting idea. And I think, you know, how they qualify evolutionary duo is um, there, there are certain criteria and and it's a very long partnership that you build over several lifetimes. Um, we know we have recognition, but we haven't had any like past life recalls to confirm that or anything like that. Nice. But we know in terms of how we think and how we approach problems, we complement each other really well. So I hold some uh, some characteristics in me that, uh, 
sort of, you know, it's very synergistic to the relationship of what we are trying to do. Because it's in, in our case, we really feel like our relationship equals like, you know, it's more than one plus one equals two. We are really yeah. like uh, independently, he is his own person and I'm my own person, but we are able to do all of this other stuff because we are together. So, um, and and that's the part that I find really uh, uh, interesting about our partnership is that uh, from the get-go, we've had this understanding there are certain things that we want to do in life that we will do no matter what, you know. So, and then really pleasantly surprised to find the other person incongruous with the same thing, like really on the same page Mm. and it was it just like blew our minds you know like oh wow we kind of want to do the same thing this is great and realizing that he has some strength in him that i don't possess and vice versa which really helped each other like grow and and the foundation of the partnership is that we are going to continue to grow with each other so it's not like walking trying to like converge but you know walking parallel and we continue to go up not stay the same yeah yeah i love that and it's it's interesting you raised the point so that in the in the idea of the evolutionary duo um i think in the book for the Oval Vieira talks about having had a certain amount of past lives together at least um i can't quite remember whether it is 20 or something like that um right which uh for many of us i think is a bit of a challenge to recall right and and we kind of right. take our um we take i mean it sounds like you take your cue from clearly there was some kind of recognition right whether you're recognizing yeah. each other from the intermissive period before you were born, um, whether it was from past lives, there was definitely some point there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And and I think also, and again, this is the pragmatist in me kicking in, it would have not worked even if the recognition was not, uh, recognition was there, but I didn't see how there's a path forward. Yeah, You know, like you keep meeting people that you feel so much affinity to, but you don't feel like they're going to continue for the rest of your life, you know, with you. Uh, So it was like, yeah, it's great that I have this affinity, that there was recognition and that's the foundation. But I don't need proof whether I had shared so many lifetimes with me before as long as what I want to do in this life, if he will walk with me to get yeah. there, you know. So it's like history is only significant as the foundation and to be informed, like information. But that's, that shouldn't be the thing that drives somebody forward, you know. Well, it really matters, as you say, how it plays out right now in the presence, right? And um, exactly. I, was, I was curious, you were saying that you had, um, you know, you both had certain goals and then you were really happily surprised that he was walking along with you. I'm curious yeah. whether from 
when you first met and you had these ideas about how you wanted life to unfold, whether there's been some surprises that things have opened up that are kind of even maybe bigger or different from what you even thought um, at that point, um, whether, or whether it feels like you've kind of followed a line that you kind of had already envisaged. Um, actually, there's been a lot of pleasant surprises, and I feel like that's one of the things that I love about us. It's just that we keep finding out more things about each other, and um, and it's it's. Um, it, it just keeps blowing my mind, you know, like we yeah. can do these things and we have the same, our interests keep growing together, which I find really interesting because like if one person was lagging behind, then the other person has to sort of compensate for that, which doesn't happen. You know, we are both having our strong passions individually. Like I have a lot of interest in architecture and uh, environment and arts and even technology and Nelson has his scientific interest and you know human development interest and technology and in this conversation we are constantly able to like find places where we can bridge things I think the biggest surprise happened when we came up with the idea for Numa being yeah. because until that point we knew we wanted to do things together, but we were like, wait, you have your engineering career. I have my architecture career. Like, I don't how, know how, how we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, but then when we sort of came up with this idea for Numa being, um, everything sort of converged. Yeah. And we were like, high five, you know, we <laughs> figured out how we're going to do it together. So... It was That's such beautiful. an incredible moment. Yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful. So let's talk about Numa Being, right? So Numa Being is a wellness center with a twist, with multiple mm -hmm. twists, all coming mm -hmm. out of your understanding of multidimensionality and energy and, and so on. Um, yeah, right. so you want to describe that a bit? Yeah. Um, um, so Numa Being came out of multiple different things. Um, so I, I was kind of, um, a bit unhappy with my career in architecture, at least the status quo of the practice, the, the, uh, industry. And, um, I decided to take a break in 2018 and there has, we've always been passionate about working on some projects and, but uh, we've never had sort of like the downtime to sit and go over and really like digest what all of these meant and how it can come together. All our interest in working in consciousness and how that relates to overall well-being and happiness and how that relates to the environments and what technology can do for these things and what's the relationship with design and art and philosophy. So all of these things, you know, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm a diet. I generate so many diagrams. That's how I like process information. Yep. You know, like when I have ideas, I'm not that great with words in articulation. So I diagram a lot. So I've, been doing like mind mapping and stuff but um 2018 when i 
left my job and sort of took the time to, you know, um, just be. It was the first time in my entire life that I had the opportunity to just be unstructured, just let myself not have any expectations, be a vegetable if I want to, you know, mm. watch Netflix the whole day if I want to. Just give myself the space so I can process all these things that has happened to me in my 30, uh, 37 years of my life, you know, prior. So um, in that process, I realized, one, that I want to do my design studio, but I wanted it to be something meaningful. So I was looking for a name that kind of to go with, and I came up with the name Numa, as in, uh, not the name. I like the word Numa with a P, like the Greek um, stoic word. Numa means the vital spirit or the creative force of a person. And it struck a chord with me because it's everything that I care about, you know, like creativity and the vital spirit. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, Numascape, because it's like a playground for the creative spirit. So that's my design studio. And then uh, when I started the studio, I was like, well, I want the first project to be something meaningful. So um, in the background, Nelson has been working on creating this beta version of an app so that people can have out-of-body experiences. And then it's in, in 2010 or 11, he was working with one of his friends to create this uh, vibroacoustic technology so that people can, you know, train in uh, 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 working with energy mindfulness. And then, uh, and then I was working on this furniture line uh, that, I, it started as a fun project for, to create like this little cat house, but I kind of scaled it up and tried to create this line of furniture for humans to use as a healing and, and growth space, you know. So one fine day we were visiting uh, some of our friends in, um, in Colorado back in 2016, and I had like in, you know, the hypnagogic state, that state in between asleep and awake. Yeah. I was in that state and I had an aha moment. I was like, wait, we can smash all of these projects together and create something out of it. Uh, so it's been in the back of our mind since 2016, you know, creating this piece of furniture where we can train people to have out of body experiences and energy practices. Um, and, and, you know, show people how to work with energy and, sort of really stylish piece of furniture that can stay in anywhere like a home, you know, or like an office environment where people can take a 15 minute break and, you know, do a little bit of revitalization. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when I started my studio, I was like, I want my first project to be meaningful. So why don't I work on this? It's been on the back burner for a while now. So I picked it up and I went along with it. And out of that, um, I realized, look, the only reason why, despite all that has happened in our lives, that we survived, like, you know, going through personal trauma and environmental things and going through architecture school and like engineering school and then our professions, working 14, 16 hours a day, 
the only reason why we were doing okay was because we were applying this mindfulness techniques that we have used and heightened state practices like out-of-body experiences and lucid dreaming into our personal life mm. as a tool in personal and professional development. And we were sort of doing it unconsciously. Yeah. But at that point, I realized, hey, like, let me look around. And I was looking around. I couldn't find sort of like a one-stop shop where professionals like us um, could tap into these techniques and technologies to sort of, uh, even if they were not interested in spiritual development, they can apply it in their personal growth, personal development and their professional growth, you know. So well, those are the focus uh, areas that I think a lot of people get drawn to spiritual development because they think it will help me get, you know, get, get a promotion, get clearer, get more creative. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we were like, you know, why don't we create this ecosystem? So, the first project that was going to be just that piece of furniture evolved into this ecosystem that we created that we spun off to be its own tech startup. In when you say ecosystem, you mean the, the spa? Is that what you mean? Or? So the ecosystem consists of products, which is the cymatics and some other applications that we're coming up with. We're actually coming up with a mobile application somewhere down the line. Okay. Uh, we're coming up with some VR technology. We already have an augmented reality tech uh, that we launched end of last year. Right. So we're going to come up with, you know, keep coming up with various products that's influenced by mindfulness, but they're, you know, bringing so, together technology yeah. and design. So let's just talk through those a bit because, so you mentioned the cymatics, which is the chair, right? And then you mentioned yes. aug augmented reality. What, what, we'll talk about the chair in a sec, but what do you mean by augmented reality? Okay, so when you think of augmented reality, if you know anything about augmented reality, really you sure maybe think, is. okay, so um, for most people, the reference is that the Google Glass that they came up with a few right. years ago, this, okay. this glass that you wear, and it has a little screen that sits in, right in front of your eye. And you can use various commands to sort of add the, another layer of information onto the reality that okay. you're experiencing. So, so that, virtual so reality. It reminds yeah. me of the Pokemon Go game, yeah? Is that would be all yes. reality? Yes, 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 okay. absolutely. So um, the idea that there's you know, a virtual reality that is geo-referenced to physical reality. Right. But virtual reality is existing completely in the virtual realm. Yeah. Augmented is that you have this virtual layer of information that's on your, uh, you know, actual reality. That's, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when, when AR, augmented reality, came out, we thought it was going to be in the form of glasses, you know, that you get that screen in front of you. But then later on, when we started working on these technologies, we realized it can be as simple as an interactive interface that you sort of use, that you layer in your world. It doesn't have to be on a glass. It can be on a projection or a TV screen or whatever, but that's, yeah influenced by whatever you are experiencing right so uh the 
what we did was uh, there's a commercially available piece of tech hardware uh, out in the market called the Muse headband. Um, uh, the Muse headband is a meditation trainer. It's a little headband that you put on your forehead. It has five sensors. So one here, two on the sides, on the temple, and then two on the back of your ear. And what it does is that it'll monitor your brain waves. It's not like going to be able to identify your thoughts, but it'll identify the patterns. And then it'll give you feedback on your cell phone saying like it'll it'll either give voice prompts or it has the screen that shows that okay your brain waves like this or it'll tell you um you know your calmness level is increasing now therefore we are going to play this birds chirping or you know uh, ocean waves or something so it's very interactive sound it uses sound to induce relaxation does it use any stimulation or is it just reading your brain it's just reading it's just reading and then it's a focusing tool because based on how relaxed you are able to get and focus your mind the readings will show up in a certain way yeah and so by externalizing Uh, them it kind of helps you to to connect with it is that the idea uh well it's kind of fun. There's a gamification of meditation in right. that because there's one, it's fun. Two, you can get some statistics about heart rate variability, you know, um, and and where your gamma and your alphas are at and you might be able to focus and getting, like it motivates you to get into a meditative state and meditate like yeah. focus your mind or calm down your mind. Yeah. You get so points. what we did was <laughs> we took that, that the third party company Muse developed and uh, we did their, they, they had a um, SDK, the developer kit. Uh, we got that and took the data from the data uh, brainwave. So there are five brainwave patterns that it reads, um, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and theta, I think. Mm-hmm. So we've zeroed in on two or one of the um, brainwaves and took the data from that. And I created this artwork that we plugged in the information to the artwork. So based on how you are able to focus and get into a deep meditative state, your mind can organize this artwork that's out there on a monitor or a screen. So that was sort of like the uh, augmentation part that we did. Uh, I don't know if it strictly qualifies as augmented reality in the Silicon Valley terms, but for me, it's like another layer of information that you can put out into your existing world. You know, you can technically project it onto mm. a screen in front of you when you need to take a break. That gives you a layer of information. And, and that was just a very basic version that we did. And, you know, should in the future, I hope we can develop it into a much more complex so is that um, a is that a, a equivalent of the what you described the technology already has? If your brainwaves are of a certain nature, it will play certain sounds, and so you've created a visual version of that. Or yeah. is each individual creating a new kind of art? Is is would are people producing new kind of art each time they 
enter different states of mind or does the artist arrange itself in certain ways reflecting your state of mind? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the latter. So it's okay. arranging itself in a specific way depending on how, um, how you're able to hold your attention or like get your gamma waves yeah. down. Uh, we put it out between uh, in during two different events. One was that there was this rave happening next door, almost like in a block next to us. So there were a lot of party goers. Some of them were high. This being Los Angeles, you know, yeah. and um, we had them try it out, and uh, you could see very distinctive patterns, you know, <laughs> emerging from that. And then we had it try out near the Chinese New Year's um, where uh, we had this friend of ours who is a, uh, a, a Kung Fu master, his brain patterns where he's very much used to like meditating, um, his patterns arrange the artwork in a very interesting way also. So it's just, um, there's, we did a very simple version of the artwork where we pre-programmed it and randomized it enough so that the particles, if, if the algorithm notices that the brain waves acting a certain way, the particles arranges itself in a predetermined way. Um, of course, if we pump a lot more money into it, you know, we can make it a lot more complex and have like, a, 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 have it do like much cooler things. But right now yeah. it's a, cool sphere organizing to itself all these particles randomly flying around and then it organizes itself so that was yeah, the that artwork so, that sounds like a great uh, visual kind of representation of what we might think is happening in our mind as we are focusing ourselves in right and taking all these right re these thoughts flying around everywhere and, and bringing them down into a yes point of it focus. was sort of um I wanted to make it a little poetic, so I added that touch of like, you know, flying particles. And then once you organize it, it comes together, like the colors yeah. change to a cooler tone. And before it was like all warm colors flying around. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So then, so then you've got the, the cymatics chair and, um, you know, Nelson talked about that quite a bit, but I think give us another rundown. Um, uh, sure. It basically uses, it's, it's, if I remember rightly, it basically uses a, a, an externally stimulated vibrational state sort of induction process, yeah? Yes. So we are using sound waves to create micro vibrations. And the cymatics was designed, it's a recliner or like a chase launch if you want to be fancy. Um, uh, it, it, what it does is that I brought in principles of ergonomics with uh, design and uh, and and like the sound waves, you know, um, the vibroacoustic technology which uses uh, lower frequency sound waves to create this very deep vibrations uh, that travels up and down your body or mm -hmm. however you arrange it. Um, and then I put it in a sort of like a little cocoon, you know, um, this sort of semi-enclosed self-contained environment um i wanted to create an environment that's uh, 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 uh that reminds us of um a womb of a mother 
because that's like the most primal safe space that any yeah. human experience first. So the idea was to create this womb for adults to go in and, you know, work with the vibrations and either work in like healing or getting creative insight, because that's, that's one of the other advantages that we noticed through this um, energy practices that we were doing. Uh, like vibrational state and like the velo was that it was sometimes giving us a lot of creative insight, you know, um, uh, uh, the ability to uh, get a lot of focus or be able to open up really to ideas. Well, it's a bit uh, like the, like you described the hypnagogic state that you had, right? I think with the with the right. velo, you you also enter a similar. You can enter a similar kind of state. Exactly, um, and then and just um, briefly, sorry, just briefly for people who are listening to this, if you haven't come across this before, um, in the very first episode of this podcast, I actually talk you through. I, I, I talk people through that energy exercise and the the vibrational state. So, oh, great! Go back and listen to that. It's one of the most um, potent techniques that we've come across. To this day, I think we turn to it a lot among other meditative practices, but this one is one of the ones that we use the most simply because it's like multi-utilitarian. You can use it to relax. You can use it to recharge. You can use it to get creative insight. You can also use it to heal and yeah. improve your somatic awareness and, uh, and provide cognitive shifts and, you know, improve the relationship that you have with yourself and so on. So it has so many uses. So it's a very versatile um, uh, kind of a, a, a mindfulness technique because you're, you have to be really engaged and present with yourself for that. And, um, we use we wanted to show people you know nelson and i we've been teaching that through the iac for a while but it's not a very easy technique for everybody to even conceptually understand so this was a very good tool for us to sort of show people this is the technique that we're talking about and in the process we came up we we realized oh you can also do other things with the cymatics that we've created uh but that's that remains one of the bigger sort of benefits of uh you know doing doing the cymatics the way we've done it and so people are reporting they lie in that chair and people are are having spontaneous um uh velo experiences experiences, energy experiences yeah so uh when the pandemic broke out so my um the space so in the ecosystem we have the products which you know some of the stuff and then we have the techniques like the vibrational state and other meditation practices that we are sort of curating that we've used all throughout our lives like our career and you know professional lives but also personal life um and then we have a space that we call the numa mind spa that we created that carries all this tech that we are developing and that we are able to gather the community there and do events and so on. And then we have a community, uh, especially now with the pandemic, you know, you can't really have a lot of personal interactions. The online community actually is 
picking up a lot of traction because of that. So we have four components in the in the ecosystem: the products, the services, the uh, techniques, uh, the space, and the community that, that includes people who want to come and learn. But we are also bringing in various experts that supported us when we were on this journey. So like our mentors and advisors and people that sort of inspired us so that we can share those resources with our community as well. So going back to your question um, about uh, uh, the, the cymatics, it's residing at the Numa Mind Spa right now in Chinatown. Yeah. Uh, what we started doing uh, was that we opened it to the public in January and we started doing this small pilot testing program. And uh, we've only managed to collect 30 data points so far because of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we hope to continue to, uh, you know, um, get more information. And So uh, when you say 30 we, data points, you mean 30 people have used it? 30 people have done full, you know, 90-minute experiences okay. so far with yeah. that. And uh, we, we have a few different experiences that we kind of curated. Everything is very heavily curated. And the reason why I use the word curated is I approach it like a person who's working on the arts, you know, like yeah. they curate museums. So I curate these experiences, the space, the entire community based on what we experienced and what we think will work together. So it's like, heavily sort of uh, influenced by what we went through, you know. Mm -hmm. And But it's not to say this is the way you should do it. We want to show people this is how we experienced it. And we want to show you all these different tools so you can figure out what suits your needs, you know, how you can use it to your advantage. Um, so the 30 different people who tried it out overwhelming majority have had at least some kind of, when I say majority, like 26 out yeah. of the 30 people have had tingling sensations, a floating sensations, expansions. A few people have had full-on out-of-body experiences. Everyone felt energy. People felt undulations. People felt expansions, you know, all sorts of things that we didn't expect. And um, it's it's been really positive. So we are going to continue to, you know, expand on this and do research. Uh, but the cymatics was built, this, this recliner was built to support people and empower people to take a break from their you know, daily sort of busy lifestyle and give themselves something to, you know, take a break from everything and anchor yourself at that moment and experience yourself so that you are able to connect to yourself and to high ideas. Yeah. So, like, you know, simply that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a... Kind of like a, you know, from the multidimensional point of view, it's like a piece of tech, intraphysical tech that helps us connect with the extra physical side of life. Yes, 
Yeah. And then, you know, people who have like today I had, so we are currently doing a uh, program where people can nominate a, uh, 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 medical first responder or a healthcare professional who's fighting at the forefront of the pandemic, you know, like they're experiencing a lot of stress and burnout. So um, we're doing a campaign to support them if they would like a session to like recover and right. relax, we are donating that to them. And then we are also, we also included because of all the uh, Black Lives Matter movement activities happening we also thought this is a good opportunity for us to show our appreciation to uh, the human rights activists and leaders who are doing this crucial human rights work. Because Nelson and I, as immigrants, we fully acknowledge that we are able to uh, uh, enjoy the privileges we have because of the groundwork that human rights activists have done for you know the past hundred years mm. here. And most of them were people of color, you know. So we, this is our way of sort of honoring them and their legacy. And we want to support these movements going forward. So we sort of put those two together. And uh, so today I had a, a healthcare professional who came in. She has never done any energy work. She has never even gone for a like a you know, massage, meditation or, or massage, no okay. meditation. She's not done acupuncture, didn't know anything about energy. And then she did the session. And then at the end, she was like, I've never experienced anything like this before. I felt tingling. I felt like things were getting activated and there was like movement. I saw colors, you know, it, it was really cool because these are not people who even have the vocabulary yeah, to talk about yeah. these things. And they felt like they were floating, you know. So And do people uh, come out of it feeling um then also energized and relaxed and all those things? Yeah. So one of the things that we do is that uh, the day way we collect data is that when they come in, we at, we like do a six question little survey to gauge where, where they're, they're currently, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where they're at. So we ask on like the mood and how their level of energy, level of relaxation, have they been sleeping well lately, you know. And then immediately after they do the session and I sort of sit with them and chat. So like my session format is 90 minutes. Uh, we do have a shorter version for when in normal times, let's say offices were open and there was no pandemic. And somebody wants to come and take a break in 30 minutes, recharge and go back to work. We had that option. But yeah. I sort of took it down for the moment because I feel like what we need at a time like this is a little bit deeper engagement. So I want to facilitate that. So we do 90-minute sessions. Uh, when people come in, I do a little bit of pampering, you know, like give them, do like a little tea ritual with them and uh, like a hot towel and some aromatherapy and, you know, get them to really disconnect from the world outside. And these sensory things that you give, like the hot towel and the aromatherapy, yeah. really helps you anchor to the present moment. Yeah. And that's critical, you know, in engaging with deeper engagement with your mind, your consciousness. Yeah. So I walk them through that. And then I do this somatic awareness relaxation where I guide people to look at, like scan their entire body and relax the entire body. Yeah. And then um, we 
we then you know switch on the cymatics depending on so when they come in and even before they come in as a part of like getting them to prepare i send them an email the day before and i get them to think about is there anything specific that you want to work on and it can be as broad as i just want to relax or like recharge but some people have come in uh saying i'm working on this project and i'm looking for a little bit of clarity on that do you think i can focus on that and i'm like yeah let's try you know mm. um so so before we before i get them on the cymatics i ask them what is it that you want to do so they can give us little information as they want or as much information and then i will sort of customize the experience based on that and then they'll have the cymatics experience anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes and then um after that I'll sit with them and chat with them ask them if they have any questions if they felt any sensations I'll give them a little bit of space to make any notes that they uh, want to take about any insights they get because yeah. people often get insights yeah and, it's so important you, to create that space yeah exactly so you know um uh, uh two weeks ago we had um uh Susie Batiz the lady who founded uh Poopery um and she's like number 77 in Forbes 500 richest self-made women in the US she came to visit us and she had an amazing experience and her suggestion was oh i want to be able to take some notes right after so like i've integrated that in so now people do get a space to take some notes you know um uh so they take some notes and then i chat with them you know like were there any questions and then depending on whatever they experience i will give them some suggestions to continue the practice at home so um it could be like okay this person was experiencing a lot of anxiety especially right now with the pandemic yeah. people young people are experiencing a lot of uh anxiety because you know especially in a place like LA where there are a lot of creatives they've lost their jobs so they don't know you know how are they going to be able to pay their rents and so yeah. on so yeah. if somebody like that come in i would teach them a simple breathing technique like 457 uh 457 technique you know you breathe in for 4 hold for 5 and exhale for 7 so uh or like you know uh give them a very basic version of the velo the vibrational state technique that yeah. they uh scan their body and their energy um and then i'll have them take a survey like so the second part of the survey is to see if anything changed from before they took the session to after and then when they go home after 3 days i'll send them another survey to sort of wrap up the experience asking them if they experienced different afterwards uh so far out of the people that has reported majority of them noticed the next day and the day after their mood was vastly improved they're not as anxious anymore uh if they were having trouble with like emotional drain that kind of got lifted you know they don't feel as drained as much and they feel energized so we're noticing different things mm. uh 
we want to collect more information so we can see if there are any specific patterns, you know, to do with yeah. like age groups, demographics, you know. Um, yeah, but it's some information are becoming apparent as we gather more information and, and it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, it's such a, I love the, the research focus um, and at the same time, the real deep care, you know, that, that I can get the sense you're putting into each person that comes in. Um, yeah, yeah really... we try to, you know, when it comes to consciousness, and this is my personal philosophy also, I don't like to engage with people at a superficial level. I want the engagements to be meaningful because mm. that's how you can make it, you know, not useful in the sense of like productivity or it has to do something, but if you're going to establish some kind of relationship, you want to engage with that person at a deeper level, you know? So I tried to carry through that philosophy into Numa being also yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, I want people to feel like they're cared for, that they can talk about these things and go as deep as they want to or stay on this, this upper layer as much as they want to. But really empowering them to take control of their life and their happiness and, and their well-being, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful philosophy. Um, Thank you. And so is the plan for you to have, uh, for example, if I wanted to have a chair like that, right, I would like to have a cymatics chair in Australia. Um, are you, are you planning to produce more and to make them available to sell them? You know, would, yeah. How, what's, do you have a vision for that at the moment? We, we have a few, um, well, you know, if you gathered anything from what we've talked so far, I always dream really big. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it will, you know, land. I always, my, like my personal philosophy is I'm going to aim for the next galaxy. So maybe I'll end up in the moon, you know? So, <laughs> um, uh, so we know there are various possibilities, like one avenue that we are exploring is the viability of the mind spa concept itself. And it's interesting to test it at a time of a pandemic where people can't go, you know. So uh, we are exploring the possibility of the online community and doing online activities. And originally when we got started, we wanted to sell the cymatics to people who want to buy it, corporations who want to have it in their corporate headquarters, like Google, Facebook, right. where, you know, employee well-being is super important for creativity and the creative process. And that's our expertise anyway. Like Nelson and I, what we are creating is unique because we are experts at creativity. We are professionals at creative fields. And then we are also combining our design expertise with tech expertise with our experience and all this three decades of, you know, mindfulness practices and heightened state practices. So bringing all of that together, we feel like we can empower the creatives and other, you know, in a, like innovators and yeah. um, change makers and entrepreneurs. So we would ideally like to see cymatics, you know, residing at other creative enterprises. But 
I would also like to see if we can create no more mind spas in major cities, you know, where people mm. like they go to the gym, they go to the mind spa yeah. once a week or every other week or so. I mean, I hope people go to the gym often than that, but, uh, you know, like go there. So you recharge and you continue yeah, to go. It's part of your self-care people. regime. Exactly. Remember that aspect so, of yourself. Yeah. yeah. So various ways that it can go, but I think the testing phase that sort of this phase that we are in testing the viability of various components of it will give us direction as to what's the bigger immediate steps that we should take. But I think I want to realize all of that at some point. So, you know, in the next 10 years, I hope that we can have mind spas everywhere and that a lot of people will have a cymatics, a different version, a more improved version of this at their house or their workplace, you know. Yeah, I I love that vision. It kind of evokes (laughs) images of of both sci-fi and also I really get this image of, you know, there's extra physical technology to help people communicate with us and this is like intraphysical technology to help us connect you know to the other side with the other side it feels like it's a really yeah it's a really important piece it's uh bridging that you know like it becomes a focal point which Mm. of where that communication happens like bridge sort of yeah and we were very fortunate that we came up with a very simple elegant solution yeah and that's beautiful and there will be photos on uh the with the podcast there'll be links to your to this mind spa and all that so people thank you definitely encourage people to go and have a look at that um yeah and then you know become we we do have free membership level in our website so yeah so maybe talk about that because i wasn't even aware that you had a membership program at all so what is this membership program and what we just launched it actually came out of we weren't planning to do that until the end of the year because we wanted to sort of set up the infrastructure much better uh but because of the pandemic and people are facing all these unprecedented challenges we felt like some of the things that we can share we, we want to share can be shared online so we created a membership program. A commu- we call it a community more than a membership. Uh, but um, so what it is is that uh, there are three levels of engagement that you can do. So the basic level, it's we ha- we will keep uploading like videos. We're going to continue to make uh, little workshops and uh, uh meditation techniques or little talks or little conversations that we have among the two of us and guests and record them and put it on the website. So uh, some of that content will be accessible to basic members and it's free lifetime. Uh, With that, you also will be able to access a part of an app that we're coming up with that has uh, at least six to seven meditations that you can listen to on the go on your mobile phone. Uh, we, uh, uh, then there's the premium membership that comes that, uh, the basic, basic membership members can purchase some of these events through, uh, the website also, like, you know, we will have workshops. It'll be like 10 bucks or 15 bucks that you can pay and do it one off. Or if you're a premium member, you'll be able to access some of those for free. 
it's 29 a month right now. Uh, so you get at least one free event every month and reduced rate other workshops and other opportunities to engage yeah. as well as Nelson's books that he wrote are there. I am working on a book currently that will go on there for free as well as an ebook. Um, and then we have another level that we call the Innovator Circle, which is a much intimate relationship with us, with Nelson and I, where as a part of that package, they can get a, a free MindSpy experience a month, plus all the benefits that come with the premium membership. And once in a while, they can do a brainstorm session with us in terms of like they have an idea of a product or an idea for a company that they want to do a business and they don't know how to get about it. We can sort of help brainstorm with them and point them towards the right directions of yeah. taking the next steps that they want to take. Or they're having a, a, a creative block or some kind of crisis that they're working through and we'll work with them to give them some tools and connect them to experts. Let's say they need some therapy sessions. Okay, you should go do this, but we, from a creative point of view, we can do a few workshops with you, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if, if anybody is interested, just go sign up. It's free, like sign up for the basic membership. And if you see value in the, uh, Premium, you can upgrade later always. But yeah, okay. And the, again, the link to benefit. that will be with the podcast notes. Yeah. Yes, I will send that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, lovely. Thanks so much, Minori. I really appreciated finding out so much more about your your story. Thank and you. Uh, you know, I was I was also thinking as you were talking. I love how you talked about how you had this idea of creating. Uh, you know, cities and architecture to make human life um, better. And, and maybe right now you're not working at the architect architectural level, but you are still creating an environment exactly for that purpose, right? So you've... Exactly. You've so really in a that. way, it's bridging that part also because, um, you know, the mind sparse that we are creating, uh, when we are going to work with corporate clients, I want to offer them the option to like hire us to design the entire space where this well-being space is going to happen. Yeah. So we can go implement some of these um, principles that I have on like biophilic design and you know sustainability and how that impacts the consciousness and how to create this environment that optimizes the best qualities in us, you know, of the mm. human experience. So. Um, it's not doing it at the architecture level of like creating buildings, but it still work, has that component of yeah. creating spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks so much, Minori. Thank you for your time and your, your fascinating story. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this um, ideas and bounce some ideas and um and thank you for introducing me to your audience also i really hope you got some value out of today's episode if you did why not leave a positive review on itunes and share it on social media to help others find it 
The tune seeing us out is another one from Axel Teslev. This one is called Akasha. You can find more information about today's guest on my website, multidimensionalevolution.com, including any links to their work and their contact details. On my website, you'll also find my blog and information and reviews about my book, Multidimensional Evolution, which you can purchase in any good bookstore if you want to show your love for this show and get practical info for your own exploration of consciousness. Finally, please get in touch, whether it is to ask questions, share experiences, or suggest guests and topics. I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I am sending you my very best energies.